The offseason's over. Real football starts Thursday night. Chiefs are dropping a banner, and we're previewing Chiefs Lions. Let's go. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It is a live game preview edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank, member FDIC. Thank you all so much for coming out, hanging out, listening, watching, consuming KC Sports Network. We appreciate everybody that is here. Uh, it means a lot, and it's really really cool to see the support as we start this season. And it's a lot of fun to be here with both of my dear pals getting ready to preview a real football game that counts and the only football game that counts on Thursday night. Maddie Lane was good. Listen, it's great right now. We're calling off an amazing week one of college football. We are getting right into, with just two days off of no football, we are getting back into the Kansas City Chiefs, taking the field for the first game of the season. We could not be more ready for this, Craig. I know you're excited. I know you're pumped. How are you feeling, buddy? I am feeling about as good as I can for a game where the Chiefs are potentially missing two of their best three players that we will get into here, but it's not going to matter. No, Tony's back. Oh, got it. Thank you. Thank you for telling me KT's back. Wait, wait, wait. Jerry Sneed, oh, he, he's good also, too. No, it's, uh, never mind. Run it back. Let's go, baby. No, I'm excited. We don't, we don't like that mantra. Uh, not a fan of that one. Uh, but no, we, I, you know what? I've kind of got like some juices flowing a little bit. Like I've, I've got a little bit of adrenaline for this one. I'm kind of excited to be previewing a game uh, that, you know, that's actually going to matter. And like, I feel like, I feel like, um, you know, there's been so many distractions what despite some people saying there hasn't been distractions there's been a lot of distractions in uh in Kansas City um, around this football team and i don't i hope it doesn't diminish or get in the way of something that's really going to be special tomorrow like i know that there are three pillars of this organization on the football field and two of them are probably not going to be playing or will be playing in a limited capacity uh but man tomorrow the chiefs get to celebrate another Super Bowl in a full Arrowhead Stadium. And that's something that they didn't get to do the first time around uh, because, you know, with COVID, like, the, the field was, you know, like the, the, the capacity was reduced significantly. This is going to be a special moment that I hope we all soak in. I know there's a lot of external factors, but, but before we get too far down the rabbit hole into this game, like I just, I hope everyone takes a moment to appreciate how cool it is that the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. They're the defending Super Bowl champions. And I know there's a lot going on, but make sure you celebrate what's going to be a pretty cool celebration of your city. Again, I know the, the draft was a celebration of your city. The world is watching Kansas City on uh, on Thursday night. So just make sure y'all are soaking it in. Uh, let's get into this game preview. Uh, if you guys don't remember how we do it, if you're new... We do three storylines on offense, three storylines on defense. We'll do players to watch. That's brought to you by Tickets for Less this year. We do a score prediction at the end of the game. We are starting with the offensive side of the football. And uh, I, there's obviously a big storyline on the offensive side of the ball, right? Mitch and Tony. Um, 
Travis Kelsey hyperextends his knee on Tuesday. Some terrifying thoughts go through the heads of Chiefs fans. Slowly but surely, information has come back. It's looking better and better uh, for him. Now labeled as a bone bruise. Now labeled as questionable. There is at least a question of whether or not Travis Kelsey will be able to play this game when just 24 hours ago, we expected him to maybe be missing a couple games. Trending in the right direction. That's good to hear, Maddie. Um, do you think he... I mean, I, I'm not asking you to speculate too much in if he plays, but... Oh, I'll speculate. Okay. Okay, I'm no doctor, okay? Don't look at that. <laughs> I'm no doctor. I have no uh, information here on what Travis Kelsey can or can't do. But from my understanding of the injury and the way it has gone, there is unlikely, not impossible, unlikely to be a significant risk to further the injury here if the swelling has gone down. If the swelling in his knee has gone down, it will become a lot more of a pain threshold management, and that can be very difficult. It can be so painful that he might not be able to run with his typical gait, right? And if that's the case, he's probably not going to play. I mean, I would just assume that. That being said, Travis Kelsey's tough as hell. This guy gets beat up a lot and plays through a lot of stuff. I don't know how many people like remember, but a few years ago, Vance couldn't even really turn his neck to see a football coming his way. He had to turn his whole body because everything was so locked up and sore. He had to turn his entire body back to the ball to try to catch it. If he physically can play, he will be out there. If it is 100% a just a pain threshold problem for him, that questionable is going to play. How much he plays, how effective he is, whatever that is, that's a different discussion. But if his leg moves and allows him to run and even somewhat cut like normal, Travis Kelsey's going to be on that field, Craig. Yeah, absolutely. Do we do we think that Jason Kelsey is trolling him a little bit? And like, yeah, I had this happen and I played that week too, buddy. Hey, call him soft. <laughs> yeah, call him soft. Like, I, he, if he doesn't play, I, th- that's going to be a must listen to uh, New Heights there. No, I I think that he's probably going to be limited. We're probably going to see maybe a call up for Matt Bushman, you know, uh, from the practice squad. That that would make a lot of sense just to reduce some of the snaps that Travis Kelsey has to play. But of the guys that are going to contribute in a significant way to try and make up for that, I think Guy Moore's arrows pointing up there. Like we, we talk about, you know, guy operating in the middle of the field a little bit more, guy that's going to be able to try and, you know, break off some of that stuff, be a third down target. I think this is the kind of you know, the, the perfect time for him to show up on the scene, get a little bit more of the target share, become a little bit more of that guy. They know that if Travis Kelsey's on the field, the Lions are going to give him an extra amount of attention anyway. If Travis Kelsey is limited, maybe you don't look his way quite as often, even though he's Hall of Fame, best tight end ever. But use him more of as a distraction when he is on the field. Try and reduce some of that extra wear and tear on that knee a little bit more because he's going to have a long gap before the next game if he does play tomorrow. They can give him a little time to kind of recover there, but don't overdo it, in my opinion. Yeah, and, you know, the 10 day gap's important. You know, it might give him a little time to recover and maybe make it to, you know, to, you know, through that week two game if everything goes okay. Um, it, I think it's a fascinating thing to, to look through. I, I could see them look, they, they went through an entire game plan week, an entire game plan offseason with Travis Kelsey at mind for this game. Yeah. And literally right beforehand, you've got to try to figure some stuff out. So, you know, 
you I could see them maybe putting them on a pitch count. Maybe you're maybe you know more third downs, you know, obvious passing downs they're going to get him involved. Um that could be something that we could see them doing. I wonder I don't, like how do you how do you mitigate how do you mitigate the loss of Travis Kelsey? I mean, like I, I, I did. <laughs> you don't. You I don't. don't. You don't. But like, who do you think? Who do you think could see more opportunities because of Travis Kelsey's potential absence or potential limitations? I mean, like, first thing you're gonna do is look at tight ends and see how you can potentially replace what he lost out of a tight end. And you look at this Chiefs step chart. Okay, Noah Gray will get a substantial boost to his his snaps, but also his usage, and that'll be nice. It'll be nice to see what Noah Gray does in a more advanced receiving role because they kind of use him as an outlet guy or a block and release guy in play action, right? So it would be nice to see what he does. But you look through the other tight ends, Blake Bell calling up Matt Bushman or somebody else. I don't know if there's a lot of juice to squeeze there to replace Travis Kelsey. So then the next thing you do is you go to look for how to replace him on those third downs, those money downs. You drafted Sky more in the second round. You drafted him there for a reason. You kind of, you got him. You got his feet wet last year in all these different spots. You kind of hid his usage this year in the preseason. You didn't show teams how you wanted to use him. This has got to be it, right? Last year, if you didn't have Travis Kelsey, if he was double teamed, your guy was Juju Smith-Schuster. That's who took over that that spot. And he did it in small stretches when that happened. Who's that guy this year? It seems like it should be Sky Moore. So I think you might get a little bit of a Sky Moore game right off the rip. We might, as Chiefs fans, have a good idea of what kind of sophomore jump Sky Moore's about to take this year. Because if he doesn't come out of this game with... Seven, if Kelsey Camp players limited, he doesn't come out of this game with six, seven, eight targets, that's not a good sign. He's the guy that should be kind of getting those reps over the middle of the field out of the slot, working the second level, like working the intermediate areas of this defense. If he's not getting them, that's a little bit of a cause for concern. It is. I, I'm very curious to see Noah Gray's usage. Uh, the Chiefs have ramped up that kind of zone insert with him, you know, as, as that sniffer kind of coming across, filling in the A gap, clearing out a linebacker. They, he's been surprisingly good, maybe not surprising. We knew he could block on the run, but has really held up well in those instances over the past couple of years now. Does Andy play off of that? Like, are they going to lean on some of that zone insert early and then have him kind of fake the block and release up the seam and try and hit some of these bigger plays? Are they going to have him kind of come across the line of scrimmage and then get out there into the flat, you know, that they do with Kelsey sometimes? I just think it's going to be very interesting to see how they view Noah Gray. And I, I know that we've been talking about this guy for a long time here, what he can and what he can't do and how he's not Travis Kelsey, but... We've been talking about replacing Travis Kelsey for a long time. This might be a glimpse into their belief in that guy and what he can do in this offense, the sorts of things that he can mix up and the sort of confusion that he can create. We know Andy Reid's going to scheme him up well, and I think that this is a an opportunity to maybe put some stuff on tape with Noah Gray, especially in motion, that could kind of give defensive coordinators a lot to think about for the early part of the year here. I think Justin Ross is a wild card to maybe get a few more snaps as your Y ISO type player. Now he's not a Y, he's an X, and I think it's it's look some of the value of the Y ISO stuff is how much chemistry Patrick Mahomes and 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 Kelsey have with each other, and I think some of the route adjustments are unspoken. I don't think it's you know it might be a 
tag quote unquote backside of the formation type play but those guys may not even have to say anything based on what those guys see together like they're just on a very ridiculous page so it might be a little bit more defined if you're putting Justin Ross you're telling them more what you're going to be trying to run on the backside of the play rather than that just kind of natural adjustment those two seem to kind of make audible wise and adjustment wise but hey that's your best that's your best Y ISO, X ISO type guy. If you're going to play three by one, you want that kind of guy. Justin Ross might be a, a, a sneaky addition to a, a few more packages, should we say. I know it's a little bit late and try to rely on a rookie, but also there's some skill there that, that, that can help over there a little bit. So that's something to watch. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Hey guys, it's Benny Heist from Benny and the Bets. And when it comes to improving your golf performance, there is nothing quite like a PXG custom club fitting experience with a true PXG fitting specialist. This data-driven fitting is going to help determine the right club heads, perfect loft, lie, and shafts to be able to completely transform and change your game and also lower your scores in the process. So no matter your skill level, you can be fitted for PXG's flagship Gen 6 clubs. They're designed to deliver incredible gains in distance, accuracy, and forgiveness. And for a limited time, you can use the code PXG75 when you sign up for a custom fit and get 75% off your fitting at PXG.com. Or you can give their store in Kansas City a call at 913 913- Three nine six six one zero zero. It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so the Chiefs have two new additions at the offensive tackle position. That's some of the big turnover that's happened on the offensive side of the ball. Donovan Smith in at left tackle, the big signee, Jawan Taylor at right tackle. Uh, They are in for quite the challenge off the top. Aiden Hutchinson, uh, and I say both of them, because Aiden Hutchinson has lined up a lot of different places on that front. I think Jawan Taylor is probably going to be carrying the bigger burden when it's all said and done. But this is a game-wrecker edge player. The Chiefs' tackles, their new tackles, are going to get tested immediately, Maddie. Yeah, so are they? I mean, like, yes, they are. But also, Aiden Hutchinson's the only guy, though. Like, it's just Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, sure. James Houston had a couple sacks last year, right? And, like, he's worth mentioning. But they're set, the Lions' second-leading pass rusher last year in terms of pressures was John Kaminsky. Like... I don't think the Lions' pass rush is that dangerous. I think Aiden Hutchinson is a very good player, but I don't think Aiden Hutchinson in his second year in the NFL is take over a game good as of right now. Um, wait, that's questionable? Interesting. I, I, I think man, I, I thought he was uh, pretty good last year. Take good, a big yeah. step. These dudes, t- these dudes tend to do that. I don't think I don't think I'm ready for that talk yet. Um, they do I hope we don't have to go. Back. I hope we don't have to point back to this clip at all. Charles ever. Harris is coming back, and that's a good a guy to come back from injury. He was good for them two years ago. It's like I'm not saying that the Lions' pass rush is bad by any stretch. I just don't think they. I don't think this is like oh the Chiefs' pass the Chiefs' pass protection is about to get really tested. Um, I especially think Hutchinson. Pretty good matchup for Donovan Smith when they're matched up with each other. He's not the bendiest rusher. He's not the fastest guy to win up the edge. He's not a speed rusher, right? That plays into Donovan Smith's hands a little bit more. I'm more intrigued to see how Jawan Taylor handles kind of like the, the power rushing and the effort level that Aiden Hutchinson gives. But again, I don't know if he's the kind of guy that's just going to beat either one of those guys like a drum and really impact the game over and over again. So I feel pretty good about this matchup for the Chiefs offensive tackles. I just need them to go out there and do that and not make somebody pull this clip for everything I just said. <laughs> the Lions last year had a really high pressure rate. It was a top 10 pressure rate in the NFL and were, were second in the league in hurries. And yet they were the bottom half of the league in sacks. Like you look at those numbers and you look at the sacks, you look at Aiden Hutchinson, James Houston finished really strong. Like you look at the numbers and you say, "Oh, that's not that impressive." But they were getting to the quarterback. They were affecting the quarterback plenty. They just weren't closing the deal. And so that's really what you're looking at there. It was still an effective pass rush. It still got home a lot. The secondary was awful. There's a reason why they were 31st <laughs> in NEA. There was there's a reason why they were so far down on all the passing defense stats despite all these pressures, despite all of this hurry, you know. So if the Chiefs can nullify that, the opportunities are there. They made some upgrades in their secondary, but I wouldn't say that this secondary got overhauled to the point where I'm like, oh, wow, it's really good now. If they were getting pressure on teams last year at the clip that they were, 
And those offenses were still able to complete passes, were still able to move the chains at the rate that they were, making a couple smaller upgrades in the secondary versus some massive upgrades for the Chiefs in offensive tackle this year, in my opinion. I think that that kind of nullifies those sorts of things and maybe even tilts it towards the Chiefs. I would be a little bit worried if I were the Lions here because you needed that pass rush to disrupt and try and get off the field. Didn't do it very often, but try and get off the field last year. And now you're going up against a team that has one of the best right tackles in the league, has a guy that looked really good in the preseason, and in Donovan Smith at left tackle there. And you're going up against a slew of wide receivers, and the Chiefs are just going to keep throwing fresh guys out there. It could get a little scary in a hurry, but it's going to start because I don't know that they're going to be able to affect the passer in the way that they did last year against the Chiefs specifically. I certainly hope not. Uh, let's move on. Explosive plays. <laughs> what a great transition. I, I, still have- I did. I wanted to say real quick. I thought you were going to talk, or I would have. I would have jumped in earlier. Okay. James Houston is yes. Somebody mentioned James Houston in the chat. Very good pass rusher. He's their speedy guy, right? He's the guy that might give Donovan Smith some trouble. There was also rumors that the Lions might cut James Houston and were maybe considering trading him. I did so not get that, man. I don't get it either. So I'm just I don't know how much he's going to be in the rotation is all. That's why that's why I skipped over him a little bit. But yeah, if you want a matchup to really watch, I think Hutchinson against Taylor is probably the best matchup for the Lions. Number two might be Houston versus Donovan Smith because those those two rushers probably have a little bit of like a power and then speed advantage versus their counterparts. But again, I expect the Chiefs' offensive tackles to be fine. Okay, Kit, sorry. You can continue to move us along the show now. No, I just, I will move on. How about that? Explosive plays, I think, is another thing that we're kind of talking about. And this is a Lions defense that gave up a lot of points last year. And yes, the, you know, the Lions offense was plenty good. They also were playing from behind a lot. Uh, and partially because they were getting stomped early in games, slowed down enough, and the Lions defense didn't really have a ton of answers. They were giving up a lot of points putting them in some real bad situations to make things interesting at the end. Got to credit that fight, though, am I right? Uh, but I think explosive plays, especially you know with the questions surrounding Travis Kelsey, there's definitely some guys that can still generate some explosive plays for this team. I think some chunk plays could be really valuable for this team on offense, Matthew. No, absolutely. Um, I pulled it up here. The Lions were third to last in the league in terms of rushing yards per attempt. They were second to last in the league in terms of passing yards per attempt, right? So when teams tried to do anything against the Lions, they were pretty darn successful, no matter what, (laughs) right? So explosive plays can be the run or the pass game. To Craig's point earlier, I do think they added some guys in the secondary, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Cam Sutton, Brian Branch. Like They added guys to maybe make it better, but it sounds like Emmanuel Mosley, is it going to play? So uh, Jerry Jones, not Jacobs. that Jerry Jones, Jerry Jacobs. Jacobs, Jerry Jacobs. Yeah, that. Yeah, who is that? Even dignifying with his last name. Who is that? He went to Arkansas. That was the confusion about Jerry Jones, Kent. Um. So anyway, don't know who he is. He's starting cornerback for them, right? <laughs> right. Don't, don't know. Don't know who he is. He's the starting quarterback. They have brought in guys to help, but like this secondary isn't elite. They added some guys to help, but they are not elite. Do we really think the Chiefs are going to struggle to move the ball through the air? Will they be able to manufacture some plays down the field? More importantly, what does the Chiefs' run game do? And I don't care about running the ball 20-sometimes. Can they break some explosive plays off against a defense that allowed plenty of explosive plays in the run game? We talked about the pass rush. Isaiah Bugs apparently not playing in this game. I mean, are they going to stop the interior of the rush on the inside? Like, I don't know. This seems like a game where the Chiefs' run game could look pretty good if they decide to lean into it as well. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like that they tried to upgrade the secondary. Cam Sutton's a good football player. Like, I, I'm a big fan of Cam Sutton. Kicks down the slot very regularly. Brian Branch is a guy that we really, really liked coming out of college. Um, it currently listed on the Lions depth chart as like their starting nickelback with C.J. Gardner-Johnson, another addition, good coming time. in at safety. Gardner-Johnson last year had a really good year for the Philadelphia Eagles behind an all-time line out there in the secondary. He also gave up the most touchdowns of his career. Brian Branch did not run particularly fast. That athleticism looked a little bit limited. That football IQ is off the charts, but he was a little bit limited there. If the Chiefs can put some burst, some explosion there in the slot, can get a little bit vertical like they have so far with like Rashi Rice, Richie James, even a little bit of Sky Moore there. There is plenty of separation that can occur even with these additions out there. That's ignoring some of the other pieces there that aren't up to those standards right there. So I can see explosive plays. I can see a lot of yak, especially with Rashi Rice, like get him going across the middle of the field, hit him and have him continue into the secondary. I can see plenty of avenues for this team to create the explosive plays. But yeah, I'm with Manny. I want to see. Does Isaiah Pacheco now all of a sudden with this defensive line not having some of the same, you know, kind of impact in the middle there? Is Isaiah Pacheco going to be able to hit the hole and go for 10 more regularly than maybe we have seen in the past? I can see that definitely happening there. So I think those are on offer this year. I think the Lions are going to be better on defense this year, certainly. Yeah, they, they can't get much worse from last year. But I do think that this is just not a particularly good matchup to try and stop this Chiefs offense that can get vertical, can create explosives at a really high clip. And I just, it, it, the matchups just aren't in their favor, in my opinion. It's just like a, a little unpredictability too to what they're going to get out of this offensive skill group too. Because, I mean, MVS is the only one that's kind of the known commodity, right? You know, everything else is is pretty unknown within this offense. And there's a lot of them. Very fascinated by that, especially with the Travis Kelsey news. How do they utilize some of these guys? What are they held back? What do they like the strengths of some of these players? I don't think that's the one thing that I don't have a good pulse on from the preseason and from training camp is just what they want to do with all of these guys. And so that is going to be something that is very interesting, I think, off the top. Players to watch. That stands out to me for explosive plays is uh, this is a fast secondary. These guys, like almost everybody in the secondary ran like right around like a four or five, which isn't slow, but like these are, this is not a particularly fast secondary. You were to say there's a team that the Chiefs can get the ball up over their head or spread them out and force them to make tackles in the open field. This is the kind of team you want to see them do that. So I am so sorry to cut you off, Kent. This is a sponsored segment. Yeah. I saved some nuggets to come back and you just try to right on out of it when I have other stuff in the holster, buddy. Um, You are so back. We this are is, so back. Kent wants to get out of here in 18 minutes, and I want to be here for 68 minutes. It's perfect. Um, <laughs> well, but yeah, I just want to talk about the team lacking team more, speed for the Lions in the secondary. Peter Yadrich is hoping for an extra extra minute. No, uh, no, he doesn't get it. Can I can I continue? Kent this, stole it. Can I continue this sponsored segment now? Cool, awesome. Players to Watch is presented by Tickets for Less. If you go to ticketsforless.com and use promo code KCSN, you will get the absolute best discount you possibly can on Tickets for Less. 
always when you use promo code KCSN. That is how you're going to get your Chiefs tickets or any other tickets that you might need here. Our players to watch, Craig, who you got? I got Sky Moore here. Listen, the Lions are going to play physical in the secondary by adding C.J. Gardner-Johnson, by adding Brian Branch, by adding Cam Sutton. Those guys are going to come up. They're going to hit. They're going to press. They are going to talk, too, especially C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I want to see what Sky Moore brings to the table in that scenario. I want to see how he handles this in year two. I think the Chiefs have placed a lot of expectations on him They've said how much he's developed between year one and year two. You are going up against a secondary that's going to be feisty. And especially in the middle of the field, they are going to be especially feisty coming downhill, filling the alley. Sky Moore, he gets lots of targets in the intermediate area of the field. He holds his own there. I think we could see a big path forward for him in year two. And I could see a big game for Sky Moore this week. One of the few players that I don't think we've talked about yet has been Rasheed Rice. And I think he's a guy that might secretly have, you know, low-key have a little bit of an impact if Travis Kelsey's unable to go. Not that you would use him in the same way, right? That's one of the few ways the Chiefs didn't use him as like a possession receiver that's working on timing routes. But they did get him involved a lot kind of over the middle of the field. They got him involved a lot in the short to intermediate areas. Just a lot of the same areas on the field that a Travis Kelsey would operate in. That Juju Smith-Schuster operated in. And more specifically, they got up the ball on the move, like with places to run to create some yards after the catch. And that's clearly something they foresee in his future. So you want to get some of those crossing routes, whether they're shallows or a little bit deeper. And instead of being able to hit Kelsey on them three, four times in a game, you want to give a shot to Rice and see what he does. I think I think this might be a game that they could rush him onto the field a little bit earlier than they wanted to because of the loss of Kelsey, trying to find another dynamic option over the middle of the field or just another dynamic player to put the ball in their hands with some size and some some dog in them. And that's that's Rasheed Rice. So I think that he might have, you know, a little bit bigger snap count going into this game than I would have thought as of two days ago. I try not to invoke Patrick Levon Mahomes too much. We're in week, week one. one? Week one. I'm week doing, one. I'm doing it. There's a few reasons. First off, Patrick Mahomes in week one games, five and zero record. 1,542 yards, 18 touchdowns, zero interceptions, 133.9 passer rating. Uh, I got some more fun stats for that. He's undefeated, obviously, uh, and they have been very successful. They have not scored less than 33 points in five games under Patrick Mahomes as a starting quarterback in week one. I think there's a lot going on with this team right now. And I think, you know, obviously there's some drama, obviously there's some injuries, but the the most important player in the world is still playing. And I think you are going to get a run of the mill scorched earth performance from someone who's probably sick of all the drama, who's probably sick of all the noise about all the receivers, whether or not they're going to be anything. And he's ready to make a statement again. I'm, I'm Rant's not coming out quite yet. He might come out a little bit later, but I have Patrick Mahomes as the player to watch on this because it's going to be fascinating to watch him navigate a a lot of new players and find success. I think he's going to, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him uh, in week one. I can't wait. Can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? It's crazy, right? Well, good thing that's over because the NFL is here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL is giving you a can't miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 
$5 on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now and use code KCSN to sign up. That's code KCSN. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting $5. That's code KCSN. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Uh, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus, bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. It is time to go to the defensive side of the ball. Craig has perked up mm. in a big, big way. Yeah. Big perk. Big perk guy. Uh, Craig, does Spags run more coverage to start this season? God, I hope so. <laughs> we spent all of last year watching Static Cover 2 for most of the year, and it worked. Like, with all those rookies on the field, like, that's that's what they needed to do to keep all the communication right, keep a lid on everything. It worked well enough. Obviously, it did. They won a Super Bowl, even with that defense giving up all those points in that game. However, they are in year two with Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, Trent McDuffie, Brian Cook, and Justin Reed. Yes, Legereus Need is there as well. He's not in year two of the system. Five guys finally coming back for year two in the system, coming off of a Super Bowl performance, keeping that motivation high. I think... They've had all offseason to do this. We saw a few blips of it in the preseason. I think Steve Spagnuolo is opening the playbook. I, it's certainly not going to be quite as basic as it was last year. I think they're going to get into some of the stuff that they didn't feel comfortable calling and running as much last year. We're going to see more, you know, three match coverages. We're going to see more cover one with, man, you know, just man under stuff, man free. They ran a lot more of it in the preseason than just the kind of static cover two stuff that we saw last year. I think they're going to mix it up enough for this defense to confuse quarterbacks. And so quarterbacks aren't just dropping back and going, oh, yep, here it is again. I know what it is. It's Again, it's a miracle that that pass rush was effective with all that behind there. But I think we're going to see more. And I think we're going to get back to what Spags does more you know, regularly throughout his career as a defensive coordinator, mixing it up keeping it exotic, especially on third downs. I just think what we saw last year was so outside the norm that we're going to see a full course correction back almost entirely the other way with this season and year two with these guys. Well, and it's going to tie into something that we talk about later, but like they kind of might have to, right? Like when you probably won't have, especially tomorrow night, the four-man rush that they had for much of last season, you are not going to be able to sit back and play relatively static coverage and just be sound on the back end, right? You're going to have to force mistakes. You're going to have to force tight coverage because if not, the opponent might have a little bit more time to just kind of lob the ball around and pick and choose their spots. So it will be up to Spags and this defense 
to force things, to confuse the Detroit Lions passing attack with their coverage drops, with their coverages on defense. And I look around like, I don't know if the Chiefs linebackers in the safety room, I think, are the most universal in terms of they can play zone or man great. They can play single high, two high, whatever, man to man, whatever it may be. But then I go back and look at those Giants defenses in 2016 and 2017. Landon Collins was great. Nobody ever confused Landon Collins for a rangy single high safety. No. Or a guy to drop down in the slot and play man coverage in a slot receiver. But by golly, if Spags didn't line him as a strong safety in the box and then have him drop to the opposite side deep half once or twice a game just because, like, it's stuff like that that needs to return. That's the kind of stuff that needs to come back. Justin Reed, Brian Cook, you know, if Legereus Sneed or Trim McDuffie in the slot, these guys need to be doing more stuff than what they did last year. And I use stuff very loosely because there's a broad spectrum of things that C. Spagnola has done from blitz to drop corners to play safety, to have safeties come down and play man, to have linebackers shoot out to the flat. Like they do all sorts of things that kind of went away last year. I think this year they need to bring it back. They need to make, especially in this game, Jared Goff, who really likes the picture to look one way and stay that way. They need to change that on him. Jared Goff loves it if you show him the coverage before the play starts Mm -hmm. and don't change it. But by God, the second you change it, Buddy turns into a pumpkin real fast. So they should be doing everything they can to late rotate, to change the looks after the ball comes back to him because I think that's where they really get in trouble throwing the ball at the very least. I just kind of like how Maddie looked off camera, just kind of into the dishes for that. It's out here. It's the picture. It's out here. Professional. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, except for the audio listeners. Um, do you guys feel like you the Chiefs are very selective about what they say in their press conferences, their their coaches, their players? You, you think they're pretty selective in what they say, right? Wait, an Andy Reid team? No, yeah. never. Yeah. So podcasts. We've actively heard we've actively heard, you know, some commentary about some of the young defensive backs on this team sophomores you know I think there's I think there's reasons for that I think they've really wanted to challenge that second year group to continue to ascend and continue to be better to not rest on what they did their rookie year which is why you saw Nazi Johnson which is why you've seen Nick Jones you've seen so many other players kind of getting some run ahead of, of these guys is because the Chiefs are putting putting some emphasis on this group because they need to trust them so they can get more elaborate with their scheme exactly what you guys are talking about here the trust in the back end to be able to hold up in some of these pressure looks that they want to try to you know to to try to give they have to trust that group to be able to do it that's why you saw a lot of static coverage they're not trying to throw too much at it but they have to so i do think that some of what we've seen from steve spagnolo in the in the media uh in some of the rotations early in training camp were a message to these guys to push on them to continue to grow, to continue to push through that sophomore slump that happens to a lot of players because they need them desperately to play at a high level, especially with the absence of Chris Jones. Yeah, before we jump off of this, Jared Goff, the fifth worst EPA per throw when he held onto the ball for longer than four seconds. Wow. Like, you're you're back there. You're having to try and dissect and deal with the secondary evaluate the full picture after the snap and all of that fifth worst EPA per throw in the NFL last year. That's it. 
if you're forcing him to hold on to the ball, the Maddox point, you're changing the picture. If, if all of that's happening, he's having to hold on to the ball a little bit longer, it just tanks. Conversely, you know, we're used to in Kansas City, the longer that Patrick Mahomes has the ball, the, the crazier the highlights get. Scarier so, the hours get for everybody yeah, else. Yeah. Let's talk about the opposite of that, though. Uh, because it's, yeah, you're, I believe, hey, hold on to the ball longer. But also, Jared Goff can get, can get sped up a little bit, too. Like, it works on both ends. Like, if he's on time, great. But if you can beat him with pressure, and if you can get him pressured, good things will happen for your offense, too, Craig. Yeah, absolutely. Jared Goff was pressured second least in the NFL last year. He was blitzed fifth highest in the NFL. That is a testament not only to his ability to get the ball out quick, but also this offensive line, which is really good. Like, you look at this, it's young. It may not have a whole bunch of guys that you recognize on it, but it is really good. And that's and how, ask how quickly the Lions were out of games and having to play from behind. But anyways. Listen, hey, he got the ball out well. That offense <laughs> would hum. And they did a really good job against the Blitz. And this isn't just last year. Jared Goff has been pretty good against the Blitz for most of his career. He has had a really high EPA per dropback. He is right there with a Mahomes in that stat there. The Chiefs are going to have to Blitz in order to get some of the pressure that we have come to expect. We talked about it earlier this week with Legereus Snead coming out of the slot. They have to figure out how to pressure Jared Goff without a Chris Jones in the mix. And yes, I love these young defensive ends. I love the potential they have. This is a really good offensive line, and expecting them to line up and win time after time is unreasonable here. So I think is going to blitz. I think he's going to bring the heat. This is like immovable object versus, you know, unstoppable force here because this Lions team is really good at beating the blitz. Like I, I last year, despite all the injuries, despite the revolving cast at wide receiver at times, they were just really, really good at doing so. And Jared Goff is as well. So playing some of those trap coverages on the front side, when you got a slot blitzer from the backside, trying to reduce some of the Ability for him to quickly throw a hot has to be paramount, maybe even sacrificing a deeper throw because you want to get that pressure. You want to hit him. You want him to feel arrowhead because Jared Goff is not as good on the road as he is at home. A lot of those stats have been floating around this week. You've got to get the crowd into this game. You've got to get him out of this game a little bit more so that you can speed that up through the blitz and try and affect him because last year teams tried to do that and they just weren't able to get home as often as you would expect. Yeah, I mean, last year, the NFL kind of saw a trend of teams blitzing less in general, right? Um, mm -hmm. I believe it was from Warren Sharp, kind of for the way that he had it seen from True Media. The uh, teams blitzed on just 25.3% of the time last year, which was the lowest since 2013. That was about yeah, two percentage points back from a couple seasons ago. Like, that's pretty significant. And the Chiefs, according to Matt Bowen, had hit the, he had their blitz rate at 25.8%. So they were almost right there at like what the league average is going to be. That's pretty low for a Steve Spagnuolo-led team. I would imagine every other year in Kansas City up to that point, he was much higher up above what the league average would be, right? I got felt like blitz percentage drifted closer to league average last year and league average also drifted down. So the Chiefs backed off of blitzing last year. There's one quarterback, one, a couple, but one quarterback that the Chiefs are playing tomorrow that is very bad versus the Blitz when it gets home. But it has to get home. That is a key part. 
I just think the Chiefs are going to struggle get this pressure with the front four. This is a very good offensive line. The Chiefs are missing. There's no way two ways about it. They're two best pass rushers on this defensive front. They're both gone. They don't really have like an ace up the sleeve coming in. Maybe a rookie or a second-year guy hits the ground running and is ready to really take that step forward this year. Maybe not, though, right? So, like, I feel like they really will have to dial into the the blitzing. I would expect a lot of coverage shells, a lot of coverage uh, disguising that we just talked about, followed by blitzing. And whether they're hiding the blitzes or showing the blitzes, just trying to get into Jared Goff's head. Then you start getting into sim pressures. And then now you're showing pressure, but then you're dropping out. But then another play, you're showing pressure and bring it. It's all about mind games. Jared Goff is a guy who I think you do have to beat his mind. If he's comfortable, Jared Goff's a good quarterback. I was yeah. Yeah. pressure, not pressure, getting home, blitzing, not blitzing, whatever it is. If he's comfortable, he's going to be pretty good. But the moment you can make him start to second guess, he starts to struggle. That's up to the Chiefs this year. And I don't think they can do that by being as complacent as they were with the blitzing or the four-man pass rush last season. Yeah, Jared Goff deserves his flowers. I He's he's played a lot better than I think a lot of people want to give him credit for. I get why the Lions wanted to stick with him a little bit because he started to play better and better football as the season went on. And yeah, I think he's done a, a lot of great things with his opportunity. Um, good thing for the Chiefs is Steve Spagnuolo is a little bit unpredictable too. Uh, and so in that regard, it could be a very uh, fun, it could be a very fun week when it comes to that. You might be able to catch him a couple of times. Plays on the football is going to be quite important. If you get an opportunity, the Chiefs need to make sure that they are ending that possession by turning the ball over. Uh, that is going You can't miss out on opportunities uh, if you're going to get them. You know, there's been a lot of mystery, I think, about ultimately what the Chiefs are going to show with their linebackers uh, specifically, but just personnel period. Base, dime personnel. What do we think we're looking at, Maddie? Well, what do I want to be looking at? Um, I would like to speak. No, what do you think you're seeing? I think we're seeing exactly what we've seen in the preseason and training camp. I think your base personnel is the three guys that have been here. It's going to be Nick Bold, Willie Gay, and Leo Chanel. I think there might be certain drives at which you see Drew Trank will come in for the base package stuff, especially maybe if the Lions are having success throwing the ball. If the Lions are forcing the Chiefs into base personnel and then throwing out of it a la the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, you might get Drew Tranquil to come in there. But I'm not I'm not buying Drew Tranquil into the nickel linebacker spot or the dime linebacker spot until I see it. I'm going to want it. I'm pounding the table for it. I thought that's why he was brought in. We just haven't got to see it while other linebackers are healthy and available. So until that, I think it's the same linebacker rotation as it was last year with Drew Tranquil as the guy that we all want to see get on the field and just simply doesn't. I'm saying that Drew Tranquil starting at the dime linebacker role. I'm going against Maddie. I'm going to be that guy. But the, the, looking at the defensive line here, I think is going to be another key uh, as part of this base versus dime personnel. Are we going to see Turk Wharton as a starting three tech? Or are we going to see them go heavier? This is, again, a good offensive line that is perfectly capable of washing defenders out and climbing to the second level and making life rough with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs running the ball behind him. Like, they, they could lean on the run game a little bit. Do the Chiefs decide, hey, Derek Noddy, Keandre Coburn, Neer, Neil Farrell, guess what? You're just eating space. Like, go out there, occupy, get two gaps, let's let Willie Gay, let's let Nick Bolton run behind him 
and try and clean up behind these guys. I could see this team really leaning on very heavy personnel on first and second downs, fully knowing that, hey, the pressure's probably not getting home anyway with four. And on top of that, you're going to be playing some coverages behind him, trying to confuse Jared Goff a little bit. Why don't we beef up the middle on first and second downs, ensure we get to a third and long situation a little bit more, and then all of a sudden we've got George Karloftis, Felix Anaduke Ozama, Turk Wharton, Mike Dana coming in there as your dime rushers. Yeah, that's not somebody that you're not going to look up and down that line to be like, oh, wow, these guys are definitely going to beat this offensive line. But get to that third and long. Get the games going. Get some of that communication stretched on that offensive line and use some of the bursts that this team does have with a couple of those defensive linemen. I could see that happening there in the dime. I'm just very curious how they come out there especially early on in some of the heavy personnel, how those interior defensive linemen look. It's time for Players to Watch, presented by Tickets for Less. And I have selectively restrained some of my Drew Tranquil discourse. I stand with Craig. I believe he is going to be in the dime. You heard Steve Spagnolo talking a little bit about the intelligence of some of his players. He singled out two. Nick Bolton, Drew Tranquil. I think they've been holding back things on Drew Tranquil, specifically the way they've been holding some stuff back on Sky Moore on the offensive side of the ball. I think Drew Tranquil is a big factor in this game. He's going to factor into my game prediction here in a little bit. Give me Drew Tranquil, Tranquil in sub packages as the player to watch on the defensive side of the ball for me. Okay. I know I just mentioned that this four-man rush is probably not getting home very often. George Karloftis in year two, stands a chance to really stake his claim on what he can do. This is a very good offensive line. It doesn't matter if he lines up against Taylor Decker or if he lines up against Penny Sewell. Those are both really good tackles that he's got to play crisp, clean football in order to win quickly. Jared Goff wants to get the ball out quick. It could be a very frustrating day for George Karloftis. But if he makes his impact felt, if we are seeing George Karloftis flash regularly against this offensive line, big, big year for George Karloftis coming here. We've already seen the progression. The hands are getting better. We're seeing him turn a little bit better, working with Bobby Stroop, trying to get a little bit more flexibility. Year two for George Karloftis could bury a lot of these concerns about the pass rush immediately by coming out there and having a great performance against a great offensive line. I want to go on record. I hope the Chiefs uh, go with Drew Tranquil as a dime linebacker. I'm just not going to believe until I see it. I, that, that's just where we're I'm buying it. Um, I'm in. Say less. There's, there's nothing to buy, but okay. I mean, like that's what, <laughs> anyway. Uh, my player to watch is Justin Reed. I'm going to go with the safety here. I'm going to go through the Chiefs kind of play around as their strong safety the majority of the time because, quite frankly, the Lions' biggest receiving threats are Amon Ross St. Brown, slot player, works over the middle of the field, short to intermediate. Rookie tight end, Sam Laporta. Middle of the field, short to intermediate. And Jameer Gibbs, mostly short, but another guy that's going to kind of not be a vertical receiver. Those are tasks that often get put on a safety or a linebacker to cover and to take away. I think Justin Reed will be in the position the most often to do that. And then we transition over to the run game. The Lions run concepts are amazing. We didn't spend enough time talking about trying to stop the Lions run game. And I think it's because we just kind of know the Chiefs won't. I, I, I don't know how else to say it. The Lions run game is really good. The Lions offensive line, also really darn good, and they do a lot of different stuff in that run game. Ben Johnson is amazing with what he's got cooking up there. So if the Chiefs are to slow down the run game, I think it will be somebody like Justin Reed running the alley 
or up to a defensive back, whether it's a corner, Reed, Cook, whoever, holding contain on the outside and really being a force player as a secondary player and not missing tackles. I think this is a game where Justin Reed really needs to put his stamp on it on the back end because a lot of how the Lions will hurt you is directly kind of related to where a Steve Spagnuolo strong safety can make his biggest impact. Give me Justin Reed for a big game in this one. Players to Watch is presented by Tickets for Less. Remember, promo code KCSN will always give you the deepest discount you can get at Tickets for Less for your Chiefs tickets. Make sure you are going to Tickets for Less and using promo code KCSN for the deepest discount you can always get on their site. Boys, it's been a while since we've had to make a prediction on a game. I know I've made Maddie do a couple for the preseason, but now it counts. It is prediction time. Craig, what do you have in this game? Listen, this is going to be a higher scoring game than I want it to be as a defensive guy. This Lions offense is good. This offensive line is good. The running game is good. Jared Goff, when he's dialed in, is good. I can see them putting up points against this Chiefs defense, and I'm not really going to sweat what the Chiefs defense looks like against this good offense. However, Patrick LeVon Mahomes is on the other side of the football. And yeah, Travis Kelsey may be limited. He may not play at all. This offense with Andy Reid at the helm in week one has been waiting to unleash like he does every single year. Andy Reid has been sitting around all offseason coming up with new creative ways to use these weapons, these new ones specifically, not just Travis Kelsey, but these new ones in ways that we haven't even considered yet so that he can get the best matchups on the field and give defensive coordinators nightmares for the first eight weeks of the season. We see it every single year. I expect it again. I expect a big offensive performance. I expect the defense to do just enough and Arrowhead to be just loud enough to affect this Lions offense from being at their peak performance. I am still going to say that the Lions score 27 points because they're that good of an offense. But the Chiefs are running out of here with 35 and a win. Woo! Woo! Okay. Um, I, I, parts of me want to agree with Craig here on this one, right? I think Andy Reid sits here all offseason. He's he's working on stuff. He's getting the offensive tweaks in. And we've seen it kind of every year, especially with Patrick Mahomes, this offense kind of hits the ground running, right? There is no slog to start the season. Even with all these new parts, of like we saw last year or different years of the Tyree Kill injuries, whatever it may be, week one is not an issue. I don't think that's going to be an issue this year. New offensive line, fine. They've been working on it. New weapons, fine. They've all been working together, minus Kadarius Tony, who I still maintain as a drop-in and just go be an athlete player for them, right? This team will be ready for week one offensively. They are going to put up points. We talked a lot. This Lions defense, I don't think, is going to provide that much resistance to the Chiefs offense. If it, for whatever reason, the Chiefs offense doesn't score, it is going to be because they're shooting themselves in the foot, not really the Lions stopping them. I don't think the Lions have an answer for this Chiefs offense. The problem is, I don't know what kind of answer the Chiefs defense will have for the Lions offense either, especially if the Lions can really gear down and get into that run game, play a little ball, con ball control. And I don't mean try to limit this game's possessions or whatever that whole nonsense is to keep the Chiefs offense off the field. I just mean to be more physical than the Chiefs defense. I mean, push them around and just run the ball, get deep into the play-action game. I could see a shootout in this one. I honestly could see this being a fireworks-type game. We, 
just talked to you, I talked about the beginning, watching a little bit of college football last week and how fun it was. That kickoff the Saturday was a barn burner between Colorado and TCU. This Chiefs-Lions game might be similar. We might be getting a lot of points without a ton of good defense in this. I'm going for it. I think we're getting a shootout. I think we're getting a little bit, a mini repeat of the Goff versus Mahomes the first time around. We're going. Chiefs are coming in with 40 points, and the Detroit Lions are coming in at 31. Chiefs win by nine. Big win, but I think we're getting a lot of points on the board. So, you know, like we hear a lot of people say like, like uh, players will say like, I, I don't, I don't pay attention to social media. I don't lies. Okay. There's a lot of them that are paying attention to social media. And if they're as sick of this off season and this drama as I am, then I think they're ready to go hit some people in the mouth. I think the chip on the shoulder of the defense might come from inside. I think this is a motivated group, and you hear Steve Spagnuolo talking about him and how motivated, how eager, how focused, how intensive this group is. I think they're sick of hearing all this talk about how valuable Chris Jones is to the totality of this defense. And I'm not trying to diminish it, but if you want to tell me that the rest of the players don't take it a little bit personally, I don't believe you. I think this group is motivated by what they've had to endure, the questions they've had to endure, the drama that they've had to endure, the distraction that they have had to endure this all offseason. And I know it is a huge loss to deal with with Chris Jones, but you want to know what a fun statement could be for the rest of the guys in those locker rooms that sweated in St. Joseph that went through this entire offseason process, that busted their butt in preparation for this opportunity, would be to shut some people up. I think they're going to do it. And guess what? I think the guy on the other side of the ball, Patrick LeVon Mahomes, I think he's sick of it too. I think it'd be a fun statement if the Chiefs go out and do what they do in week one, despite not having Travis Kelsey or in a limited capacity, and despite not having Chris Jones. You want to send a statement? You want to lose some leverage? You want to get Chris Jones into the building? Go win a ball game and go win it convincingly. 35-23, the Chiefs are winning. Drew Tranquil is getting an interception late in the game to keep this game from getting a little bit closer. The Chiefs are covering. The Chiefs are bopping the Detroit Lions like they do all the other teams that they play week one, and a message is sent. 1-0, we'll talk to you after a Chiefs win on Thursday night. We'll catch you later. Get them. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.